She's not here to judge. She's here to report the honest news on healthy living. She's Andrea Donsky, along with Lisa Davis. It's time for Naturally Savvy. I'm Lisa Davis with Andrea Donsky. When I saw what was going on with the water in Flint, Michigan, I was floored. I was like, how is this happening? I don't understand what is going on. So today, yes, and so sad, we've got the wonderful Dr. Stuart Lonke, who joins us here monthly. He's a board certified in international medicine, pulmonary and critical care medicine. And he knows so much about toxins and how to protect yourself and detox. But today we're going to be talking about lead violence in Flint, Michigan. Dr. Stuart, so good to have you on the program. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a topic that I think everybody is uh, uh, very interested in, particularly since the, the, the story of Flint, Michigan, is really just uh, the tip of the iceberg, I think, as far as lead in our water supplies and lead in our environment. How, so you weren't surprised by the story, it sounds like. No, I was surprised that there was such a, 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 a misstep on the part of the administrators in the city. Mm-hmm. But for me, for years, I've been uh, I've been writing about, talking about, and and seeing patients with various types of lead effects. And we don't talk about lead toxicity, but in, in reality, the normal lead level should be zero. And we now understand that lead in the inner city water supplies. Uh, in the major cities in the United States. Recent studies now have come out since Flint showing a lot of water supplies have higher than the allowable amount of lead uh, in their water supplies. But that's, again, just the tip of the iceberg. It's so crazy. I remember seeing, a, you know, watching the news and seeing a picture of what that water looked like. They showed a family. It was orange. I mean, that water, it wasn't even clear. And it, I could only imagine, other than the lead, what else was in that water, but the fact that, you know, the authorities are saying that it's okay to drink, I mean, that in itself floored me. I know. And, well, they go through purification steps. And, of course, uh, that's what they, they uh, claim to have been cleaning the water. Uh, but you can have crystal clear water coming out of your faucet in the suburbs with uh, uh, lead uh, plumbing. Uh, I mean, start with copper plumbing, but realizing that the copper plumbing has been soldered with lead-containing solder, uh, so that the the water that sits in your pipes at home overnight has a small amount of lead that's leaching into it. So when you start to drink it in the morning, you're getting small amounts of lead. And again, my whole point is, uh, Flint, Michigan is uh, way off the Richter scale as far as lead exposure is concerned. But what about the rest of us? What about kids playing baseball in in the inner city or stickball or whatever they play? New York used to play stickball. Uh, You know, playing in sandlots and all all of the dust that blows around in city environments where lead paint used to be on the walls, but those walls have been stripped clean and new non-lead containing paint is there, what happened to all the lead that was there in the past? It's just part of our environment now. It rains and it seeps into the groundwater. It gets into our water supply. It blows around in the dust. We are being exposed to small amounts of lead on a regular basis, and, uh, and it's more intense in large cities where the added disadvantage is the fact that the plumbing systems are old, and they have lead pipes. And so the whatever lead is in the air is being multiplied by the lead in the water supply. Again, safe levels. Safe levels as far as the 
water companies are concerned and the Environmental Protection Agency is concerned because we've set standards. But the question that I want to talk about today is how good are those standards and what do they mean? That is we such a good lead, point. Lead, so how do we, what do we do? How, how do we question that? If, if they've made these standards, what can we do to change them? Well, I think we have to go on to the, my, my, my four-step program is APE, A-I-P-E, and the first is accept. And you have to accept the fact that if you live in an inner city, that you have lead in your water supply and you're being exposed to lead on a fairly regular basis. The rest of us, probably smaller amounts of lead, but we're getting exposed to lead, much less than we used to. We don't have leaded gasoline anymore. But remember, uh, there are still some 60,000 tanks of gasoline around the country out in, in, buried in the ground that still have leaded gas, um, and they have leaded jet fuel in them as well. So we're exposed to lead. And if we're exposed to lead, the question you have to ask is, what does it do? And we know that it's a neurotoxin, that it concentrates in the brain. We know it concentrates in the bone as well. And we know that it's related to cardiovascular disease, particularly high blood pressure. But we'll talk today about the behavioral kinds of effects that are seen with lead. And we know that people who have high exposures to lead that are still in the safe level still have behavioral abnormalities. They have learning difficulties if they're kids. And the link to violent behavior now has been made over and over again so many times that we start to take a step back and look at perhaps the increase in violent crimes going on, particularly in inner cities, may be related to the fact that we have a population of kids who came from mothers who had higher than normal lead levels, transmitted those to the kids in utero, so their brains had a little bit of lead, and now those kids are born into an environment where they're exposed to more lead. And the study that I want to just quickly say, uh, say, state about is uh, a study that was done at the University of Cincinnati. This was a remarkable study in that it took hundreds of, a uh, couple of hundred pregnant women. It followed them for some 20 or 25 years. These women were stratified as far as their lead levels were concerned in their blood. They lived in the inner city. They had children. These children were then tracked for another 20 years. And what they did was they looked at these children's police records, and they stratified these children into four groups, and they all had what we would consider to be acceptable lead levels. That is a lead level that a doctor wouldn't get nervous about and treat. But those with the lowest normal blood levels either had no rap sheet or had petty crimes. The kids with the highest lead levels were the ones that were in uh, violent behavior, uh, weapons-related charges, so on and so forth. Right after that study came out, and that's probably eight years ago, uh, a couple of studies came out looking at delinquent children that had violent crimes. The more violent the crime that the kids were being followed for, and I'm talking teenagers and young adults, the higher their bone lead levels were. Wow. So we now know that Hmm. if we have a situation where everything gets multiplied, the mother has a high lead level, lead passes across the placenta to the developing fetus. The fetus cannot excrete that lead 
even though it's water-soluble, so it stores the lead in brain tissue, bone tissue, etc. But it's the brain lead that causes the biggest problem, and those children are then born, and you would hope now is the time that they can get rid of all that lead, because now they have kidneys that are functioning, and they can excrete it, but the problem is every day they're exposed to a little more. So the balance is always on the positive side for these kids. And if you wonder why we have ADD and ADHD in a higher amount, if you wonder why Johnny can't learn, and if you're worried why violent behavior, particularly in our younger kids, is increasing, it's not the only reason. The environment plays a role. There's no question about that. But one must look at the lead levels. I definitely agree. I mean, unfortunately, we're out of time for today. But as you're speaking, I'm thinking, okay, this segment is part one. Part two, we're going to yes, do about do. how do we actually get rid of the letter? What can be done? And those are some... such simple mm-hmm. answers. I can't wait till part two. Okay. So for all of you who are listening, this is part one with Dr. Lonke. And we are going to do a part two, a lead violence in Flint, Michigan, part two, and how to help with if you know that you do have high levels of lead. All right. If you want to learn more about Dr. Lonke, you can visit his website at stuartlonke.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at LonkeMD. I'm Andre Donsky, along with Lisa Davis. This is Naturally Savvy Radio on Radio MD. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Your Radio MD and at Naturally Savvy. Thanks for listening. Stay well. Stay well.